Good morning, Beacon. Oh, Beacon. Come on, Beacon. Every single time. Good morning, Beacon. Everybody up here look all blue. <laughs> I, I gave you as much warning as I'm sorry. I'm not trying to. No, it's all you good, already. man. It's all good. Do your thing. Do your thing. <laughs> Let's try one more time. Can we give him a real good morning? Good morning, Beacon. Good morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm excited to be back with you all this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How many people are still waking up? Nobody. Okay. See, see, look at the honest people on a Sunday. On a Sunday, y'all still lying. Y'all lying. But. <laughs> I'm not going to waste any time. I've had a real big problem over the past year. I've had, a, I've, had a, I've had a sleep problem over the past year. Anybody struggle with sleep? Yeah. But for me, it was not of the clinical sense, um, because I know that insomnia is real and not being able to get good rest is real. I had a, I had a discipline problem. I just, I just struggled going to sleep on time, you know? This past year, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just an issue of overworking because you're home and you can't really stop. But consistently and consistently and consistently, I would work later and later and later. And then I would decompress. How many people use that word when you tell people, I just like to decompress at the end of the night? I like to decompress. It, sound, it sounds nice. You know what I mean? But I would do that, and I'm the type of person that I would do that, and I would, like, watch shows. I'm an interview person. I'd go on YouTube. I'd catch up, catch up on my Colin Coward with my sports. Colin Coward's fans, no? 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 Okay. All right. <laughs> but I'd catch up on all the sports stuff, everything like that, and I would do that consistently, but I'm, like, wired. Uh, both my parents are entrepreneurs. I get up 5 a.m., so even if I went to sleep at 2, I'm popping up at 5. And it's not a good look over time, y'all, right? It's not a good look. You know, I wake up and I'm seeing the bags over my eyes. I'm like, I'm not 18 anymore, and I don't, the, the snapback on the eyes ain't good, right? You know. But consistently, I would do this, and I would consistently do this, and I would consistently do this, and I'd burn myself out. And I think I'd give myself some grace, and I'd give you grace in that, because I think this year's been a lot. And to some degree, it's, it's almost feeling like you're, you're, you're taking back what work did. You're taking back all the time your kids took away, your, your husband, your wife. You know, keep it even so I don't get angry. <laughs> all the time that everybody has over you, it's your time to almost reclaim. So it feels bad to feel like you're being limited by someone else. Now, I'm about to tell on myself a little bit, because in the middle of everything going on last year, I have like three screens. You know, I got the multiple screens set up. I got three screens. I'm on my computer all day. And then I read this article in the New York Times. It was about blue light and the damaging effects of blue light. And I don't know if I was like, I got my Google MD in that moment, but like it shook me up. I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm in front of this. I'm gonna turn the Benjamin button. Cause like the, so, so, much of the, so much of the impact, it talks about how it would impact your skin that throws off your rhythm. But the thing that I keyed in on was that it would disrupt your sleep. And this is why you pretty much hear a lot of these recommendations that you should probably power down within two to three hours of sleep because of how it throws off your rhythm. So think about this. I was so keen in, I'm like, I went, I went on this blue light kick. I got blue light glasses, it's like $20 on Amazon. I got blue light glasses, I got blue light lenses on all of my screens and everything. And then I had the nerve to ask my sisters, brothers, warning, 
Don't ask a sister about skincare of any magnitude, only you're going to prepare yourself for a dissertation, right? I'm like, I heard, I heard blue light messes up your skin. Do you understand that they had me in Sephora getting un, like unseen sunscreen, super goop? Like, I literally went in there like I was in witness protection, you know? Like, I was in Sephora, like, no one's going to see this. Man, it's Sephora. But I took it so seriously because I'm like, this is going to mess up my sleep. Here's the irony. <laughs> I did all that invested all that money consistently just to protect myself because someone potentially may limit my sleep. But every single day, every single day, I would still go to sleep later and later and later. Was the issue really that someone was taking my sleep? Or was the issue really that I didn't like somebody limiting something in my life? Was the issue really that a lack of sleep or the issue, like, I want control. <laughs> I don't want somebody. I, you know what? It's like your children. It's like, no, don't talk to my kid like that. I'll talk to my kid like that, right? It's a sense of control. We don't like limits. We don't like the sense that we can't do what we want to do when we want to do it. We don't like someone by their own actions, not mine, but their own actions. I can do the same thing. Let me do it. But if you do it, it's a problem. But if you impact something of mine, it's not, if, if I do it, it's not a problem. And so now I think about this, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, why did I resist? Why did I resist just limiting myself? Why didn't I just embrace the discipline? It's because I think collectively, we just have a problem with this concept of limits. We have a, con a problem with this concept of people telling us you can't do something. No, limit, you can't, too much, stop. All of those things, it, it's like almost like going against a birthright of ours. I have a right to do what I want, when I want to do it, and you can't limit me. Now, for me, this is not a Mount Olympus thing, because for me, it goes a little bit deeper. Because I think I've come up from this context where, you know, I struggle with limits. I struggle with saying no. I'm a maximizer. I'm a multitasker. I am a, let's do this, or you know what, my Google Calendar's always filled up. Somebody says, can you come and do this? I say yes, because I, I feel like me, some, there's some sort of violation if I don't, God, you've blessed me with so much, I gotta do so much for you. But I think over time, I think what consistently people are experiencing, if you've ever burned out before, if you've ever been consistently busy and busy and busy, you've had no time to breathe, you find that maybe there's some beauty in limits there's actually some real beauty and love in limits. But I think in the times that we're living in, when somebody says that you can't do something or that you're doing too much, it's akin to war. What if there's love in the limit? What if the most loving thing someone can do for you would be to limit you, to stop you, to say you're doing too much, to say you need to slow down, and I think this is partly a scary message to actually speak this morning. I was, telling, uh, I was telling Pastor Robert because it's almost sacrilegious to tell a group of people in America, you need more limits. Because we come from this idea of freedom is at the bedrock of our society. Freedom, true freedom is the lack of limits. I should be free to do what I want. I need to be free to choose, to move, to do what I want, but I think this morning, I think God is giving us a message around limits. Now, I'll explain to you why. 
Now, let me, let me, let me just state this uh, a, bit, a bit clearly. Um, limits connotes very, a lot of negative things, I think, in our society for good reason. Because I think there's been something about limits in our history when we think about what's happened between genders, between, like sexism, limiting people. We talk about systematic racism, limiting people. And so there's something about limits that just, ugh, I don't know about that. But what I'm, not, what I'm talking about is not so much human limits, I'm talking about wise limits, good limits, God limits. And talking about God limits, again, is not going to get you roars, but talking about God limits is actually going to get you the, the true freedom that I think all of us have been seeking. The sense of peace that I am doing what I need to do, that I'm not beyond my capacity, that I'm not burning out, that I'm not lost. True freedom. Now, I think one of the things and one of the falsehoods that I've kind of carried for most of my life, and I think many of us have, is just that, you know, of true freedom is just the ability to do and seek and explore everything. But I, I actually believe that God, by just by virtue of us choosing him, he's giving us an introduction about that true freedom is found in, 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 in godly limits. That God, even in his, his command, says that, you know, you will have no other gods before me. That to choose God to be here, you have eliminated other possibilities, and you have chosen limits. But I'll put it this way, just so it doesn't seem so 50,000 feet for everybody in here. Uh, how many people, how many relationships perhaps have been compromised because you've struggled with limits, struggled with limiting what you said in the moment? Struggled in that moment, you were so upset, but you said something you couldn't take back because you didn't embrace limits. How many of us struggle even with our health because we struggle to limit what we consume? And we struggle with that, and you're struggling. You're like, I want to make the right thing. I can't, I'm struggling with limits because that limit would actually help you. How many of us in this generation now, which is even more scary, we struggle with the limits of what we take in, all of the swiping, where to the extent that right now we can't even control our minds. We can't pay attention for more than five minutes because not just that we don't have willpower, we've rewired our brains. We can't do it. There's some beauty in limits. There's love and limits. And I think God, especially in these times where it seems on a macro level, we've been so limited, constrained in our house and all these things. I think there's a warning around how we overcompensate in other areas. How we try to reclaim, like I did with that sleep, how I try to reclaim freedom to our own detriment. My hope is that I think that we, we would see and we would get sensitive to the areas of our life that we may be overcompensating with false freedom. Now, for the sake of today's conversation, when I'm talking about freedom and I'm talking about uh, limits, I'm talking about limits such as God's commands, some of the things that he allows, the circumstances of your life. I'm talking about even just the choice to follow God, the choice to say, you know what, I want to I follow Jesus, I want to go and, and, and be more of a Christian. But I do want to make clear that this is not a new thing, y'all. This is not new. Since the beginning of time, we've struggled with limits. Now, if we look back in the book of Genesis, um, in Genesis 2.16, what did God say to Adam? He said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God literally tells Adam, you will die <laughs> if you eat this thing. 
If you remember a couple weeks ago, I was here and I talked about how all those pharmaceutical commercials seem all of those side effects. And in the end, it's like death and it keep going. Like we didn't just hear that. It's kind of like nausea, vomit, and you'll die. And they're still dancing and prancing in slow motion. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want this, right? You know? But, but think about what God did from Genesis. It was about godly limits. That was what was loving. But they had no idea what not heeding to limits would do. And so we actually go fast forward, and the serpent, oh, look at the serpent. Look at him talking. He says, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. I think when we see that, we see that uh, that was the serpent questioning God's words. But it was also the serpent introducing us, questioning the value of limits. And we've been questioning it ever since. Now, so why, again, talk about this now? Why talk about this now? I'm, I'm, we, again, we've been contained and we've been cooped up for a year. It's March already. Can you believe it's March? It's been a year. And it's one of those things, again, where you overcompensate because I can't go outside. I'm going I'm to stay up because, you know, I'm going to do this <laughs> because I'm not allowed to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that as we open up, we'll start to, to speed up again, so busy again, so connected again, so booked again. So many of us, many of us probably wouldn't have even have marriages that are sustained if it wasn't for the pandemic limiting us, that we would slow down that we would look at what's going on in our house. How many of us are even our relationships with God would have fallen apart if it wasn't for limits because it was so touch and go? Because until you lost the job, until you were shaken up, you actually really didn't confront what you really needed, where your real security was. How many of us, I'm concerned, as we speed up, how many young people in this generation now think true freedom is no direction, no commitment? I don't want marriage because I don't want to be stuck down like my parents were. I don't want to. I don't know what I want to do. Choosing nothing but being nowhere and feeling lost and ironically feeling limited that they cannot actually decide what they want to do with their lives. We are in a place in our time where we reject limits, and I'm afraid and I'm concerned that in these times, as we, things open back up, things may go backwards. And my hope is that we see that there is something to be said or sensitive about where is God reintroducing me to the power of limits? Because God loves you in the limits. God loves you in the limits. Because God's limits is God's love. It's God's limits is true freedom. True freedom. Now, we see this in today in our scripture in the book of Exodus. We're in the book of Exodus chapter 19. Now, Exodus, right here in this book, of, right here at this moment, uh, the, the Israelites had just been delivered, about 40 days removed from being delivered from captivity. They, they were in captivity a long time, not 40, 40 years. They were in captivity a long time. So we got one year. They got, they got a little bit on us, right? But they had been consuming. So right now we have Moses kind of preparing them. They're at the Mount, Mount Sinai. In a little bit, they're about to get the Ten Commandments that everybody hears about. But there's something that God does and says to the people as he's preparing them. And so we're going to go to the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 10. When you all have it, say amen. 
See, those are the Androids. Can I can iPhone people? Anybody have it? Say amen. Amen. See, we, green bubbles are not respected here, all right? And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. Sounds familiar. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. Now on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up, and the Lord said to him, Go down, go down, and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain. And set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you. But the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. This is the word of the Lord. So what I'm, I'm hoping that you see in this piece is that God truly does love you in the limits. But he, he does it in some particular ways, and the ones that we'll walk through today is he does it through how he prepares you, that through the limits, God is preparing you. He loves you in the limits through how he protects you, that through limits, God is, is protecting us. He's protecting you and me, and he loves you in the limits through how he pursues you still in the limits. God loves you in the limits through preparation. Now, I, I, need, I need to have a hand. I need to have hands up for this one. I know, I know this is, I know, guys, I'm, I'm waking you up a little bit. How many bakers are in the house? Bakers, bakers, bakers. Yeah, okay, baker. A better crocker or like, no, that's like sacrilegious. You don't touch that. You're like, no, we from scratch. Pound cake people, cheesecake people. What do you bake? Okay, God, there you go. <laughs> I, you know, so, so shout out to the bakers. I love y'all. I'm a cheesecake person through and through. Pound cake, not hard soft pound cake. I love all of those things. And I happen to be a cook. I love to cook. My dad is an amazing cook. My mom's an amazing cook. So I know how to cook. I can cook, cook, cook. But I'm not a baker. Cook and baker is kind of different. I know it doesn't sound, but it's a little different. And I don't know much about it, but what I do know about baking, it seems like it's very, very important that you follow directions. 
Like, very, very important that you follow directions. Like, no, too much lemon zest here. If you don't have the baking powder here, then not make here. If you, just one, one false move, and you're going to have the concrete ministry. One false move, concrete ministry, right? And so I knew that much, just even in the baking process, how much that is important. But, but the truth of just baking is the reality of limits. You are limited to that recipe. You're limited to those elements. I just can't make up what I want to use. I'm like, I don't want to buy lemons. That's about to use oranges. It's not going to work. But there's something about the ingredients. There's something about that is also just that, that tells you about limits. And if you take one false step, the outcome is not so positive. I know many of us have been in a situation where you, you know somebody has cooked an amazing, they baked this amazing, amazing thing. One of my friends, they're like, man, I want to make some brownies. I was like, oh, great. Right? And they labored over it. They labored over those brownies. They labored and labored. It's like they put their foot in it, truly. But the worst part is they took a false step because when I had it, it really literally tasted like they put their foot in it. You know, you know the tragic issue of not following the limits. But, it, but as, as hilarious as that may sound, I do think that there's something instructive about it that there's some beauty in limits, that limits actually take us to an outcome, a desired outcome, when you're preparing something. But such is the same with us and God. Because when you actually look at the scriptures, what's interesting is that imagine if you viewed your life and you think about all the things that God has said through his inspired word and through his commands. Even when I was here last time, I talked about reigniting that power and that love for the word of God. Imagine if we thought about it like that that in each of these things that God is calling us to become something. He's making us into a people. He's making you into a type of person. And every step to the left and to the right against what he has said may not come out too well. It may not be the recipe that we want. It may be a recipe for disaster. And I, I, I see that in the scriptures because when the Israelites were delivered from captivity, he wasn't so much delivering them to a place. He was delivering them to himself. If we look in the scripture in Exodus 8 and 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. He, God didn't say, Let my people go so that they will be free. He says, he says Let my people go so that they will worship me. He equated freedom to being connected to God. And that we were made to worship God. That's literally, we were designed to worship God. He is making us into something. And so his deliverance wasn't to a place. It was to himself. And we see this earlier in chapter 19 where he says, You yourself have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. If you even remember the scripture, even when he was talking to Pharaoh, he says, Let my people go so they may go and worship me. We were made for worship. We were made for being connected to God. We were made for being limited to God. Because God was preparing them to become a people, a type of person. And for you and me, he's preparing you specifically to be a type of person. And he's giving you directions. He's giving you guidance on how to get there. But it's still so hard for us to embrace limits as love. It doesn't seem like it's, it's about preparation. Now, one of the things that I think is, is really, really powerful is that there's something about limits that also talks about the value of something and how you treat it and how you prepare it. The little things that go into preparing something shows how valuable it is. And so you even see in the scripture in verse 10, 
And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. I'm just imagining, I love when I go into scriptures, I say, like, what is this showing me about God? And I say, what is this showing me about humanity? And I can imagine, you know, people, you know, putting on things and washing up stuff. It's like, this seems so unnecessary, man. Like, this is, I can imagine that, right? But if we're honest, don't we see some of the scriptures like that? You know, on Facebook the other day, I go on Facebook like once a quarter. I don't know if I'm the only person, but I was on Facebook and I asked the question. I said, how many people want to read the Bible cover to cover? I had like 600 comments. And I said, what are the major barriers? And they're like, yo, man, that Leviticus and cubits and stuff, man, seems so unnecessary, right? You, like, it, doesn't see, it doesn't make sense. Like, literally everybody was saying the same thing. It's like, when I get to numbers, I drop off, man. I don't, I don't, I don't, because you don't see the value of all of these intricacies, but it's giving you a picture of God, that God is so perfect. God is so particular. It's so special. But we've seen that. That's so, but think about that. If God is making us into that, then of course, wouldn't God want to give us this particular guidance so that we could dwell and reflect him? But I think for still people, we, we, we still struggle with what that looks like, right? But you, 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 heed, you heed the speed limit with that nice special car, or, or you heed the speed limit. You drive really slowly when you have precious cargo in there. When your wife's in there, you drive a lot faster when your wife's not in the car, when that new baby's coming home, or you, you, you choose the right occasion to wear that lovely coat or those heels, or for the young ones, or for those Jordans. You pick the right occasion because you treat it special. It's very particular. You limit the occasions and when you use it. You submit yourself and subject yourself to limits. Have you ever seen anybody with new car with nice rims and how they treat speed bumps? It is, it's, like, it's like crawling, like molasses over it. Because a special treatment and consecration is not for common use, set aside for special use. And God was consecrating his people. And similarly, when God is giving you his inspired word, God is saying, you are a special people. You're a royal priesthood. You are my treasure possession. You are everything. I need to treat you. Wow. Imagine if we saw limits as, as love, that there's a particular way I'm talking to my fathers in the building. I know so many of you guys, shotgun fun aside. When that young man, that young freckly man comes up to that door for prom and you're about to let your daughter off in that car and you have that Will Smith bad boy conversation with him about your daughter, she's special. Be back here at 11. It's specific. And the more valuable something is, the more specific you are about treatment. What would it look like if we saw our relationship with God that way, y'all? What would it look like if you saw the limits that God gave you as how he views you as valuable? Not cast off. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And that God is so, so engaged with the plight and the state of his people, what if you thought you were special? What if you saw yourself the way God sees you? What if you see that God loves you in the limits? Now, God loves you in the limits through protection. Um, 
Now, this one, this, one, this one hits me a little bit because the other day, you know, we, I was in California for, for two weeks. I was preaching out in California, and then each time I was delayed because there were storms back east. And you know what? Naturally, I didn't want to come back. I didn't want to come back. I was like, California is so nice. And, um, but one of the sad things is that I got back, and I have my neighbor, our neighbors are so close. We're all so close. We have a WhatsApp group, you know, and it's not just about complaining. Everybody's about the WhatsApp. They all complain about stuff. But, like, we're connecting, and one of my neighbors actually... Um, the sidewalk was not shoveled, she fell and broke her ankle, like two places. And it was like unfortunate, and so her husband and I are really, really close, and he's just like, hey man, I need you to, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm gonna be at work, he's an electrician, he's just like, could you check in on my wife, we're gonna have some Amazon packages with some of her things that she needs, you know, since she's home to get around, could you bring it to the door and bring it inside the house? I'm like, of course, of course. So I bring it inside the house, and I thought I knew him pretty well. You know, I'm like, you know, we, we've known each other for a little bit. You know, I've, I've spent time with you and all this stuff like that. I went into their home, and I'm seeing all of these child guards. You know those little child gates? You know, every, at the top of the stairs, there's all these child gates. I'm like, these, these people have kids I didn't know about? And I'm looking around. And it wasn't about two minutes later that I realized what that was for. When this big old Cujo-looking dog came up and hot meat. <laughs> yep. Fam. <laughs> I died three times. I died three times. You know, say like, <laughs> they're like, oh, she won't bite. They always say they won't bite. I made it even the first. I may be the first, right? I may be the first. So I'm preparing my heart. I'm like, oh God, oh God. But I gotta be a thug. I gotta be strong. So I'm sitting there with the boxes with my Amazon box. I'm like, ha ha ha, you know, right? But I was still thinking about this. I know, I know there's dog lovers out here, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shading you. But in my mind, I'm like, this is a lot of investment for a dog, man. God, this for a kid. This is for a kid. And I just put myself in that moment in the mind of a dog. Just put the theology aside. In the mind of a dog. And I'm like, does this dog even understand what this, all this is for? I can imagine the dog going and like running and doing the little dog things and like trying to figure out why all of these things are there. But the truth is, is that all of that is there is because they're protecting their dog. At the top of the steps. I don't want this dog to fall down. I don't want this dog to touch this. I don't want this dog in this socket. I don't want this dog here. But can you imagine the mind of a dog having no idea what the purpose of all of this is for? As much as I was looking at this dog like, must be nice. You're living the life, man. But the I don't have no idea says a lot about us. Because think about us and think about the ways and the thoughts and the wisdom of God and all of the limits he's placed in our lives. We are so much like that dog, more than we probably like to admit, when it comes to understanding the wisdom, understanding the impact. We have no idea why God doesn't allow us in this season to buy that. God doesn't allow us to get that specific job. God doesn't allow me right now to move the way I want to move. We have no idea. All we know is the gate. But God loves you in the limits. God loves you through protection, and we see this in the scripture here. It's, 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 it's in verse 12. He says, what, he, he, God is interesting. It's interesting here, man, because for me, there's so much of the Old Testament theology jumping out when I read this thing. But he says, put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal, look at that dog, shall be permitted to live. What's interesting is that he says it again to Moses in verse 21. And the Lord said to him, go down and warn the people so they do not force their way through to see the Lord. And many of them perish. 
Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves or the Lord will break out against them. This sounds a lot like Genesis, doesn't it? That God is saying that, oh, you will surely die. And he repeats it, but he says it once to Adam and Eve. He says it once to Adam. Let's leave, leave Eve out of it. No Eve slander, right? But he says it to them. You will surely die. And here he's repeating to Moses, go tell them. You, please, for their own good, please tell them. But think about the impact of what happened in Genesis. Y'all are living it. They had no idea the long-standing impact of one decision. We don't understand just, the, just the, the little things, the things that we find so little, we can't even connect how they'll connect to our lives, the negative impact that we'll have in our lives. Limit, there's love in God's limits, and it's, it's beyond our, even our understanding. It's beyond our capacity to understand. And a lot of the reason why we struggle with this is because we lean on our own understanding to decide what we want to submit to or not. I think... I feel, I reason, that's great. God has given that as, the, as, as color for us to walk with him. But there's also some times where it just, you just need to listen. You just need to trust God that there's love in how he's limiting you because just like the dog, Selassie, you have no idea what he's protecting you from. The top of the mountain, Sinai. The top of the mountain, Isaac looking down, not knowing why, the top, that you have no idea. Now, what's interesting is I think there's sometimes, even if you are walking, you've been walking with God for a long time, or even if you don't, you're still kind of curious about who Jesus is, sometimes you think about obedience with God in the big things. And what's interesting in this, this moment is that God is preparing him. He says, I'm going to come, and, and he's there in thunder and lightning, you can imagine if there's, God is there in thunder and mining, we're all going to be looking up. <laughs> like, it's a bit overwhelming. It's a bit Independence Day-like. You're looking down and like, oh, God is here, right? I can imagine the people looking up like that and being scared about God there and thinking that God was in the thunder and lightning. But God was in the limits. The things that you often pay attention to, you think that these are the big God things that God is limiting me from. But the small obedience, they would have been destroyed by crossing that limit. That's much as they've been destroyed by that big old thunder. And a lot of times we, 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 we view that these are what the big things is what I need to look out for. It's the small things. It's the private things. It's the things that you don't think that are really that big. God was in the cloud, but God was in the command to stay around the limits. Now, this one is a bit challenging. Um, I read this the other day. A recent study talked about, especially in these times, especially in view of what's been going on in the pandemic, that the, 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 the use of Pornography has gone up a lot, a lot, not just for men, for women. And the scary thing about this, I think, and just being gracious with here, knowing the, the children that are in the room, the, the, the scary thing is that this, it talks about how uh, pornography is linked to the shrinkage of the striatum in the brain. Now, this is the part of your brain that is, that, that, that is, is tied to your motivation, your, your, your energy, your desires, your, your, all of those things are tied to your stratum, and it's in for, for, for increased use, that shrinks. But it also has shown that over time, your ability to even respond to stimuli goes down. So in the studies, they would put sexual stimuli in front of somebody who's watching at the time, and they couldn't even, they couldn't even respond to it. Last week, 
I was sitting in counseling. I, I do premarital marital counseling. And there was a couple there, two sides, and look at how God operates. Two sides have been dealing with this issue. One side, the man was dealing with it. The other side, the woman was dealing with it. But on either end, they were talking about how both of them, they're worried for their, for their spouse. They're worried because they seem depressed. They don't have energy. How it impacts how they view. They're not even intimate. They struggle. And the other person does not understand how that has anything to do with that use. But there literally is a physiological impact. A lot of times when people think about God and even the view of sex, they say, oh, God is trying to keep us where God loves sex in its context. But God is not trying to keep us away from joy. God is wanting us to experience joy in the fullness. Because of our inability to embrace limits, we have destroyed the very things that we say we love. The relationships, your job, your motivation to do your job, your motivation to get up each morning. There are brothers and sisters right now who don't connect the small thing, this is not that big of a deal, to all of these outstanding impacts on their relationships, on their workplace, how they're not showing up on time, all of these things, I am saying this and I'm sharing this because I know that this is challenging somebody in the room. I'm praying that we come to a place of embracing the limits, but the good news is that there is hope because I know what it feels like to feel overwhelmed, whether for you it is alcohol, whether for you it's your inability to connect, it's what it for, whether for you it is pornography, that there is hope. There is hope. Because the irony of when we don't feel like we have any limits, when we feel like we could do anything, is that it leads us to a limit. It leads us to a place that we cannot get out of. But God, the good news about God, is that he pursues us in the limits. God's pursuit. Now, I think a lot of times when you think about the Old Testament, God, we, a, lot, a lot of people look at God as this, this angry God. Jesus is like, oh, he's the Barney Jesus. I'm only going to read the New Testament because the Old Testament God is like, oh, my gosh, Jesus is God, but let's not get into that. <laughs> but what I love about the scripture here is how many times God went to Moses to warn them. They had no idea. They had no idea the importance, the value of the limit. And even Moses, Moses himself, Moses who pleaded, don't destroy them later after they can't did the calf. Moses himself was like, but you told us already, but God knew them. Even after he gave Moses this instruction, he then said, I'm going to come over to your cloud so they may trust in you. Moses still didn't get it. He's like, because I know even after you tell them this, they're not going to follow you. Even after the people said, we will do everything the Lord said in Exodus, because he knew you, because he knew you're human, because he knew you were limited. And that even throughout the Testament, Old Testament narrative, we find that Israel consistently, 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 consistently struggled to follow the limits. But in God's limits, there's freedom. Uh, I love the moment in Scripture um, when our brother Peter was being restored. And God says something three times. And the number three is very significant in, in, in our scripture. But he says something three times. He's like, do you love me? And then Peter's like, oh, my gosh, man. And remember, Peter was the one who denied Jesus. 
In that moment, he says, I need you to, he's like, he's like, you know, from the, from the roots crows three times. He's just like, no, I won't, God, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to, you know, but he lied, but whatever, all right? But there was a consistent moment where God is showing him, no, I'm, I still love, I, I, I still want to have a relationship with you. He said, do you love me? He's asking him this. But each, in each of those moments that God was going down, in some sense, he was saying, I love you. Please don't go to the limit. I love you. Please don't cross that limit. I love you. Please don't cross that limit. Resurrection happens on the third day. We celebrate Easter. But on the third day is when God descended over Mount Sinai. The third day is when new life came into creation in Genesis. The third day, the third day, the third day is about new covenant, new relationship, new opportunity. On the third day, even as God was warning them, God was delivering them. God was preparing them to give them a connection to relationship. God was preparing to free them, that limited people, the people that he knew. I'm speaking to the brother or sister that feels a bit overwhelmed. You feel stretched. You're trying to manage your limits, but you just can't. God's going to send somebody down the mountain to help you. I'm talking to the brother or sister that is struggling with pornography and thinking that God is looking down upon them and angry and staying off of them and I don't want to see them. God is going to send somebody down the mountain to help you. I'm talking to the young person who feels a bit lost, trying to figure out life, is everywhere and nowhere, and is afraid of commitments because they've seen some of the challenging aspects of marriage. They've seen some of the challenging aspects of sexism in this country. They've seen some of the challenging aspects of being pigeonholed into something. And I said, no, there's freedom and limits. God's going to send somebody down the mountain. The picture that we get of God speaking to Moses, warning the people, but sending something down the mountain is the picture we have of Jesus. The picture of Jesus who unlimited God, no limits at all, limited himself to a human flesh, that he would dwell with us, that he would ultimately give us warning. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand, but still ultimately that he would do the work, that through a limited people, the unlimited God would be the one who saved us. Which is why in this season of Lent, a lot of people would ultimately say, you know what? I want to give up something. I want to sacrifice something. I want to fast from something. The fasting is saying, you know what, I don't want to be a slave to anything else but God. I don't want to be limited to anything else but God. And I think the invitation that God is saying to you is that there's true freedom in having God be your Savior. It's true freedom when Jesus is your Savior. That is where true freedom comes from. And so I pray that you see the picture of God at the cross, limiting himself, stretching out his hand, when he could have gone out, he could have called down the legions to free him, but he willingly submitted himself to limits as his hands were opened up to embrace us, as he's calling us to embrace the limits, the limits of his unlimited love for us. I love you. He loves you. But there's limit, there's love in his limits for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, God, that even beyond our own understanding and capacity, God, you love us. 
And that, God, in the limits that you have for us, God, there's an unlimited wisdom, God, that you're trying to communicate to us, God, that you love us, that ultimately you're bringing us to a type of people. You're, you're actually trying to prepare us to be something. God, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for the brother and sister in this room. I'm praying for the families in this room who are just now navigating, who's navigating, God, just not only walking with you, but walking together, God, within the guidance of your God-inspired word. I pray, God, they see your, provision, your, your protection. I pray that they see that you're preparing them to be something. And I pray, God, that they see regardless of how much they fail in the pursuit to live for you, you are the one that will deliver them. You are the one who will continue to pursue them. You are the one. You are the one that they can put their hope in. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Vicky.